Welcome to a special edition of Lamestream Sports here on the 440 Sports Network. Of course, brought to you by our wonderful and amazing friends over at Jasper's Free Parking, the next evolution of the sports bar. Sort of a mini edition here. We're going to have a full, complete episode. Steve and I uh, had a long sit-down conversation with Scott Ramsey of the Nashville Sports Council, of course. Uh, talked a lot about the SEC media event in town this week. We also talked a lot about the future of the Music City Bowl, the future of Nissan Stadium, the new stadium, uh, all the different events that could come to town. So lots of fun stuff coming for you on a normal episode on Friday. But I, I had a chance to meet someone who I have admired and you know been a fan of for a very, very long time. Uh, the Basically, the executive producer of SEC on CBS. You know, SEC on CBS has, is an institution uh, in college football fans' world, especially in the Southeast. And Craig Silver uh, is the gentleman who has been in charge of that since 1996. Uh, he has 10 Emmys. <laughs> and is responsible for everything you see on Saturdays when it comes to the SEC. So I just wanted to give you guys a quick conversation with him. I had a chance to sit down with Craig. We talked a lot about his career, about the changing in technology and how you broadcast a game, the key to being a great cameraman, all kinds of cool stuff as it pertains to the SEC on CBS broadcasters, uh, his memories, some of the things that he's been involved in, and sort of what makes a great television broadcast. And again, a guy that is epically famous in the business. Uh, somebody you guys probably don't know, you may not know the name, but Craig Silver is a guy that uh, I have looked up to for a very, very long time and had a chance to sit down with him at SEC Media Days this week in Nashville. I'm here at SEC Media Days with Craig Silver of CBS Sports and a guy that's been in this business for a very long time, 10 Emmys, Got started uh, covering college football and football for CBS Sports in 1981. Um, you have now been running the ship, as they say, for college football, the SEC Game of the Week, and uh, a variety of other things, of course, that you've done throughout the course of your career since 1996. And you, of course, are here at SEC Media Days. W what exactly is your role at SEC Media Days uh, in general? Uh, my role at SEC Media Days is to shake hands, kiss babies, and say hello to people. Uh, no, it's just sort of the unofficial kickoff to the season. So here to make sure that say hello to all the coaches, some of the players that we haven't met before, uh, but just the sort of the run-up to the start of the season. So I, I want you to, why is it that CBS, because I, I, I think that the game, the production value, the reason all those trophies, you guys have all those, is that you guys have just done a better job than everybody else, and I say that as a part-time employee of one of the competitors. Um, but the product is just different. It has been different with you guys for a long time. Can you try to give us some background perspective on, and you can get nerdy if you want to with like the technical side of things, but just what is it about your broadcast and your mission as um, a college football broadcast partner that has given you the ability to genuinely put on the best product on television where a lot of people are trying to keep, catch up with you guys? So first of all, thank you for the, uh, the very nice comments about our, our broadcast. Uh, not for me to say that it's the best or not the best. I mean, it's very subjective. But I think it starts with something that's pretty simple. I think we have the best product to cover, which is SEC football. And uh, you know, I think we've been a little bit lucky that in the course of the, the national package over the last 20 years, a lot of stars have aligned that allowed us to cover the SEC. Uh, you, know, you can start by counting the number of national championships they've won. And I think if I could put it into one phrase as to, to why the games feel bigger, 
is because almost every week our games are a game of consequence. And they affect not just the two teams that are playing, but the divisional race, the SEC championship race, and in many and most cases, the race for the national championship. So there, there comes uh, an inherent tension within the broadcasts and within the game. And if we do things well, I think it's that we capture that and we don't let the production and the production elements get in the way of that. And I've been very blessed to work with you know, Hall of Fame broadcasters with Vern Lundquist, uh, great analyst Todd Blackledge, and most recently, you know, for almost 20 years, Gary Danielson. And they understand that in, in the broadcast, and they understand that in the game, and I think they're great storytellers, and they are able to convey what's at stake. But I really think it, it comes back to the product. And I also think CBS benefited in this two-decade run uh, and the SEC has benefited from the imperfections of, the, of what was then the BCS. What was a regional conference became a national conference because when Georgia plays Florida, or ten, back in the, in the start of, the, of our run, when Tennessee played Florida, it no longer was a game of consequence just for the SEC. It affected the Big Ten, the Pac-10, you know, now the Pac-12. People in L.A. cared, in Chicago, and Columbus, and uh, and, 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 and because only two teams could play for the championship, it comes back to what I said. Every week it was a game of consequence. So you just gave a lot of credit to the, the product on the field, which no one would argue, of course, is the, is, is the best product in terms of what they offer on a week-in, week-out. I think it's the same for the visuals. If you're talking student sections, if you're talking camp, I would argue campuses across the country are all beautiful no matter what conference you're talking about. But there's something different about an SEC band and an SEC student section, and the SEC tailgates are a little different, and it's just it's just a little bit different. So you've given a lot of credit to all of that. But it, can you explain what the truck can do to make the broadcast better? What the stu- Not the studio analysts, not the on-air talent, but like, what is it that people can do that they don't see, whether it's... You know, like you, you mentioned even lack of graphics, it seems like that you're talking Chiron operator at that point. But what, what is it that the truck can do, the producers, the, uh, the executive producers, all the different people that make it all go out? What is it that you guys can do that can affect the storytelling to, to set up the broadcasters, to set up the student section, and to set up that drama that you're talking about at the end, at the end of the game? Well, I think you touched on some of what makes the SEC special. And there's probably a list of 15 teams in America that have the setting and the backdrop that many of the SEC schools, you know, outside the SEC, Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, you know, a few others, Florida State. But down here in, in the SEC, uh, you know, I'm sure you've heard the phrase, you've probably used it yourself. You know, it's not just a game, it's a religion. And I think one of the things that I personally, as the producer and the coordinating producer, put an emphasis on was what it means outside the lines, the tradition, the history, the generational connection, the bands, uh, and, I, and we've interweaved that throughout the broadcast over the many years. And again, you know, we were very fortunate to have somebody like Vern Lundquist and now Brad Nessler, who, who both got it and were able to touch on those nerves that, that made it special for the fans. And, you know, we were given a very bright uh, 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 palette in which to paint. And that's all the backdrop to then what happens between the white lines. And 
you know, it means something to the fans of Auburn and Alabama and Florida and Tennessee because it's not just the fans of today. It's their parents. It's their grandparents. One of the cool things, and I'm just using Auburn as an example, we'd stay on campus at the Auburn Conference Center, and the elevator doors would open, and there's three generations of a family. And that just is special and cool. And I know it was important to me to thread that through the broadcast. And, of course, each team and each uh, university has their own special traditions. Uh, but to me, that was a really big part of it. And one of the things I, I jokingly said with some of my engineers that I really wish I could invent and convey on television is what I referred to as smell-o-vision. The, the aromas that wafe through the campuses on game day because of the tailgating. And that also is so special and so unique, and that has not been captured yet. But it's really one of the special things as, as part of the SEC. If you could figure out a way to capture visually the smell of leaves falling off trees in Ann Arbor or, you know, wherever. I mean, like, certainly we all know what gumbo smells like, so if you've been to Baton Rouge. But um, did you ever have a moment, like, again, you've been doing this for so long, and you've seen so many things. Have there been a few moments in your career where you just, like on game day, I'm assuming you have so much going on, there's so much flying that you've got to be sort of so focused, super focused on executing the exact perfect broadcast. But do you ever have a moment during or after, maybe it's Saturday night back, you know, sitting down and relaxing that where you just sort of go, I can't believe that happened. I can't believe I saw that. I can't believe I helped tell that story. Do you, do you have any of those moments when you think back on what is now a 40 year career doing this, where you go, I, I honestly cannot believe that, that, that I was a part of that. Uh, I was going to say yes until you said the, the last line, that I was part of that. Uh, I never think in those terms. I, I certainly think back, and I've been very fortunate to be part of a lot of great moments across a variety of sports. And, yeah, I think about a lot, like, did that, you know, the kick six, like, did that all really just happen? I mean, it's surreal. Uh, but, yeah, I think about it a lot. I think about how lucky I've been to have had this great seat to so many great games and players and coaches and moments. Uh, and just when you think you have seen it all and nothing else crazy can happen, something else crazy can happen. But, but, I would, but what I would say as a parallel is the production, and I've been fortunate to be doing this at a very, for a long time at a very high level, but I go into every broadcast saying, you know, every week, I'm still learning. Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen either in the truck as it affects the broadcast or on the fields as it affects the broadcast. And I guess it's one of those you still have to be ready for the unexpected. And I will say this, and I'm very lucky. I mean, I, I go about my preparation the same way as I've always done it. I'm sort of, you know, I look at it like this. If, I, if people consider me a success, well, it's because I've done it a certain way. I'm scared to do it any other way. I don't want to ever be accused of cutting corners. And I think it's uh, you know a mantra that says, you know, when preparation meets opportunity, you achieve success. And I work with a group of people that all live by that same set of values. And I think that's why we've been, been good at what we do. What, what's the biggest change over time? Because, I mean, camera quality changes and streaming versus digital versus analog versus, you know, the number of cameras we have. And there's certainly been lots of on-screen innovations that we've seen kind of come into sort of normalcy. But is there, 
from actually producing the, the product over a 30-year, 40-year period of time, is there anything particularly that, that the average fan just doesn't understand? That, what, like what's the biggest difference between your job in 2023 and your job in 1996, for example, Te technologically even? It's one word. You just said it. Technology. But it's technology as it affects your entire week. So it starts with the game preparation. And I always took a lot of pride in uh, doing multi-layered preparation, learning about the teams first and foremost, who the players are, their backgrounds. Then you start reading all the articles uh, to get those off-the-field stories. As I said, I always wanted to know what high school sports they played. I never wanted a guy to, to hurdle over somebody for a touchdown and then find out that he was a high school hurdler and not have that piece on the broadcast. Well, now you'd say, well, technology's made your job easier. No, it's made my job harder because there's so much more information out there. And every night I go to bed before the broadcast, I'm like, did I, did I search through every resource for every little nugget? And, and so in some ways it makes it worse. And then in real time, it makes it worse because, or, or more challenging because the mantra used to be, you know, we don't want to pick up the paper the next day and read something in the paper that we didn't have in the broadcast. Well, now you don't want to get to a commercial break, and if somebody's trolling social media, see something that you missed or something that's going on. But then also the technology as it affects the broadcast and the way we're able to get closer to cover the game. And as you know, as I'm sure you're aware, with all sports, television is intertwined with replay. So the, the outcome of a game could, could rest on what camera angles and what technology we have to share with not just the viewer, but with the replay officials. And that's a lot of pressure. And I think it's an unfair pressure. And I have said vocally that I think the, the, the world of officiating in all sports needs to figure out a way to separate from the world of television. And you know, if you look at the NBA, even though they still use the television camera feeds, their officiating system is independent of the television. Uh, so that's a lot of pressure. It really is. Would, would soccer and tennis be in that category too, or the way they use sort of digital tracking of the ball? Like, I've always thought that a football, there's no reason why we shouldn't track. Like, honestly, officials do an extraordinary job spotting the football. It's such an inexact science. And, like, how many times do you look at it and go, oh, that guy from 30 yards away put the football exactly where it's supposed to be? But, like, tennis, we have a digital tracking device where we know exactly to the millimeter where the ball is, and soccer knows whether or not the ball is crossed over. Uh, is, is, is that what you're talking about in terms of separating the game is just like let's have a, another way to make sure we know where the football is? Yeah, I, I agree with what you just said 100%. Uh, I haven't done very much soccer in my life. Uh, I watch a little bit, but as far as I can tell, they are separate from the television coverage. Tennis certainly is, and uh, I don't think it should be our responsibility. Now, it's our responsibility to cover the game. It's our responsibility to show the best angles uh, of all plays, uh, but especially a controversial play. And, you know, just think about how so much of sports history could be different if replay existed. And I go back, and I'm a little older than you, to the, the, the famous Pittsburgh Steelers-Houston Oilers playoff game, the Mike Renfro controversial catch. I mean, maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers football dynasty doesn't happen if that's rule to score. So, but technology is the biggest change, uh, and it's certainly uh, really cool some of the things we can do. I think I'm personally not a huge fan of the, a lot of the metrics that are being used because everything to me has to be 
in, in perspective. So launch angle and baseball and velocity and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it all sounds cool, but is there really that big a difference when you know, somebody's veloc- exit velocity on a home run is 102 versus 104? I mean, I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, I'm, I, I don't want to say I'm a, a simple thinker, but I understand simple concepts. It's like in golf, I understand. If you can swing harder, you have the chance to hit the ball further. You know, it is interesting in football, and I don't think the advanced metrics and analytics are being used as much to, to show the viewer, but we often talk about arm strength. Okay, so give me some metric to show me arm strength. I mean, one of the things that came out after last season is, you know, even though he won two national championships in a row, they, won, they lost one game in two years, everybody was still looking for, for warts with Stetson Bennett. And one of them was, well, he doesn't really have a strong arm. Well, he then goes to, to the, uh, uh, the combine and, and you know, the postseason workouts. turns out he's one of the strongest arms of any co- quarterback coming out of college football. So I think that's something that could be made, made better, better use of in football, but there's got to be perspective. I, I cover a lot of track and field, and back in the days when Carl Lewis was the number one athlete in the world, and they talked about you know, he could maybe jump 30 feet, long jump. Okay, we, we know 30 feet, but what does that mean? And I actually did a feature many years ago. I said, okay, what does 30 feet mean? Well, it means he could literally jump across the street. Now, that's something you can understand, right? Now, I watch the Tour de France, and they say, oh, my God, it's a beyond category climb. All right, I, I don't know what that means. It means you're trying to ride straight up the Empire State Building. So for all the advanced technologies, people still have to understand what that means relative to what they do in normal life. What is the key, because the visuals have changed, certainly, through technology, like we're talking about, but what is the key, like what would you teach maybe a young person getting into the business that wants to be a great cameraman, camera woman, camera person, what is the great, like what is the key to capturing the right angle, the right moment, you know, certainly the quality of the picture has changed significantly over time, but I'm assuming that the skills haven't is that a fair assumption and then sort of what is this the key to that in terms of a young person getting into the business today wants to be a camera person well again you know you're very uh, observant for all the incredible technology that we have at the moment it's still all run by people and it's all run by a group of people which make up a team so you know you have to work as a team you have to understand just like if you're a football player or a baseball player you know that that you fit into a bigger scope. You have to do your job. Sometimes your job can be a little more mundane, but you have to take pride in it. And whatever position that you're working, whether it be camera, replay, whatever, you have to understand that there are subtleties that, that uh, you know, make the difference between good and great. And as a camera person, it's looking through your lens, but also keeping one eye outside your lens to make sure you're not missing something that you could be capturing. And then ultimately, because people work the equipment, people also participate in the events. And they're fueled by emotion. And what makes the best television is the emotion, real emotion. And I think one of the mistakes that we all make is we replay too many fake or staged emotion shots. But there's a big difference between that moment that, that, that memorable picture and somebody just hot-dogging it. 
So yeah, understand that you're part of a bigger picture, uh, you know, a big team, but also understanding that there are subtleties to your craft that can only be refined through repetition and experience. Craig, thank you so much uh, for giving us some time. We do appreciate it. I am fascinated by the work that you guys do, and as a viewer and a consumer, it's been uh, it's just been awesome to watch you guys do so much work over the years, and and to get to talk to you for a few minutes about how it all works is is fascinating to me. And I assume the Kick Six, since you, that's the only one you mentioned, I assume that that is still the 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 thing that sits at the top of your memory list. Is that is am I right to say that? Uh, it's it's on a short list, and I'll tell you a quick story. I've been very lucky to have been in the right place at the right time for a number of big events. And I had the great fortune of doing the uh, Christian Leitner Duke Kentucky game. I had the great fortune of doing the kick six. And I think what fuels a lot of what we're talking about is that almost everybody that works on the crew played something at some level. Now for most of us, it probably ended in high school. And we continue to be fans and, and, and do our job with enthusiasm. So when Christian Leitner hit the shot, I stood up in the truck and started screaming, oh my God, he hit the shot. And then, you know, I don't remember exactly with the kick six, but it was a similar reaction. And those are two of the greatest sporting events I've ever covered. But the singular greatest sporting event I've ever had the privilege to produce and cover in person was the gold medal hockey game at the 1998 Olympics between the Czech Republic and, and the Russians. And it was a game that went to double overtime and it was shootout and it was intertwined with the 30-year anniversary of the uh, Prague Spring where the, the Soviets came in and crushed the Czech uh, Revolution. Uh, Yammer Yager was the star for, for uh, the Czech Republic. He wore 68 in honor of his parents who fought in the revolution. But the skill level, the intensity, the, the, you know, the gold medal was the consequence, was the single highest of any event I've ever had the privilege to be part of. And, you know, the best part about my career is I've had the greatest seat in the house for so many, so many great events across a spectrum of sports. And I'm very lucky and very specific to, you know, the SEC and CBS. It's, it's coming to an end this year. And uh, I've used this line. I'll continue to use it all year. And I'm going to quote the uh, poet laureate, Dr. Seuss. Don't be sad because it's over. Smile because it happened. I think that's a great place to end it. Craig, thank you so much.